we would be honored if you would join us. All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of Dungeon Crawlers. If you didn't notice, we were gone last week. That's right, you didn't hear an episode from us. Why is that? That's because we fell into the holiday bubble. We ended up spending so much time watching fireworks exploding overhead that we just felt like we had to dig a hole and disappear. No, that's, I'm just kidding, we're not dogs. Uh, but <laughs> we had lots of fun. Um, it, you know, where, where we live, it was a holiday. And yes, you're probably like, it's not July 4th. What are they talking about? But for us, it's, you know, our, our, the, where we live, it was a state holiday. We had fun looking at fireworks, having a barbecue, maybe playing board games with friends. Just saying, I may have played a zombie game and uh, I may have survived, even though I was a small boy uh, and only had 15 minutes to do it. Uh, but with that said, yes, that's why there wasn't an episode uh, last week, but we are back. We have some great material coming your way. We have a fun episode we're going to do tonight. Uh, it's something that we've kind of talked about and batted around, and we're going to make it happen. So there is a show on Netflix called The Toys That Made Us. Um, it's kind of cool. I've enjoyed watching it, but it's not really personalized. So now you're going to hear about the toys that made the dungeon crawlers. You know, oh, yeah. Because there were definitely toys uh, that influenced my life. I'm sure there are toys that influenced the other gentlemen's lives as well. Um, and I'm sure universally there is, I know at least one toy line that affected all three of us. <laughs> okay. At least okay. one. And whether we talk about it tonight or not, I think it, it might need to be shelved till later. For, for the record, Dan, just so that you know, Magic the Gathering, the greatest trading card oh, game no, in the world, no, is a collectible no, no. A game. No, no, I just... That is no, no. It's an investment, no. sir. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't please. even call it investment. I would call it a money suck. But anyways. Uh... How dare you, sir? I am riding the MTG train to the moon. And yes, malapropisms for everyone. Um, nice. Nuggies all around. I, the, the, the toy line I'm talking about happens to come from Lucasfilms. Uh, I'm sure Star Wars toys affected all three of us. So Absolutely. we can talk about that later. Uh, I would say Avar, because we before the show started, we agreed that we'd talk about three toy lines each. I, I say let's take Star Wars off the table because I know all three of us enjoy it. That, that wouldn't be fair to make one of us pick. Um, you know, it's kind of like last, last time's Rad Dome where uh, Krebs had to give up uh, Ashley J. Williams because he knew <laughs> I was going to have it. So let's take that off. We'll talk about that as, as a whole, but each of us will pick three separate uh, toy lines other than Star Wars that started th this love affair that we've had with uh, pop culture, geek culture, nerd culture, whatever you want to call it. So query, what if our only toys were Star Wars toys? I have to believe that is not the case with you. Also, it doesn't have to be a commercial grade line. It could just be yeah. a kind of toy or a popular toy, a yo-yo, marbles, whatever the case may be. Well, okay. So, so this is something I found, a random factoid I found out, which is amazing. Um, and I'm going to ask it to you guys. Who is the largest toy manufacturer in the world? Who do you think it is? Hmm the largest toy manufacturer in the world. Are we yes. talking about a parent company or a subsidiary? Uh, either one, whatever you think. Who do you think is the largest toy manufacturer in the company? Just in the world. In the world, in the world. I found out this factoid and it blew my mind. Uh, well, that tells me it's not the obvious choices. So I'm gonna throw out Hasbro and Mattel as options. Um, I, I don't know what the name of the company would be. But I'm going to put my money on a marble manufacturing company. Okay. Hmm. Okay. So context clues. I'm guessing that it is a company that when you mention the brand name, people do not typically associate with toys, but because they are a materials manufacturer, they end up creating a lot of toys as a result. Um, I... Good grief. I keep thinking of products in my head and then I keep tracing their product lines up to the subsidiary. I, I have a second guess, but I'm going to keep it in my pocket. Uh, I, I got to be honest. I 
don't think that I could answer this adequately. Um, I'm going to throw out garbage. No, I don't have any of those options. <laughs> That's I've a good got, band. Uh, uh, 3M. I don't know. 3M. Okay, so the largest toy manufacturer in the world is McDonald's. Oh, my oh. gosh. Because they have the largest toy line and the most diverse toy line. And because every Happy Meal and every so often they produce a new toy. I never even thought of that until I you know, I was going through one of my classes and that came up I'm like, no, it can't be. But it is. They have been doing See, this. So well, I, I would view them as a toy vendor. I didn't consider them a toy manufacturer. I thought they would like basically they farm that out. Toys. Yeah, no. Oh. Yeah, I know that they do that now. Funnily enough, that does bring up a memory from me as a kid. Oh. Uh, did you guys ever play with the old uh, McDonald's play kits? Oh, yeah. Like which ones? Like, 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 like the like pretend you're making a Happy Meal like restaurant kit? Or are you talking about like the different lines of toys from Happy Meals? Or No, no. They're, um, so it, it had to have been like the mid 80s, late 70s that mcdonald's actually put out like a full two purchase kit that had like little playable m characters and a full oh, mcdonald's and like a playland you know uh a like ronald and a grimace and a hamburglar yeah yeah birdie yeah you can get all those yeah i used it's, to have some of those that's it's like the weirdest thing i have not thought about this in years but that is actually one of my earliest memories was traveling to some relative's house and it was just like in the back of the closet and i was expected to go entertain myself i, I had to have been like three that's amazing it's like a weird i've not thought about this in so long but i just had like this whiff of like smell and the feel of the plastic it was like a hard oh. plastic and, oh man that's the weirdest thing okay okay well let let me ask you this then would you have toys yeah, would you would you consider that one of the toys or one of the toy lines that made you who you are? Is that something that like had an impact on your on your development, on your youth, on your childhood? Um, no, but now that you've given me that prompt, I can tell you a toy that did. Oh, tell us one. Tell us one. Okay, friends. So this is a deep cut. I know there's a little known franchise that nobody has ever heard of called Thomas the Tank Engine. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, when I was a little kid, the Brittlecroft company was really starting to crank that engine. It was, uh, you know, that hadn't, hadn't quite hit the mainstream yet, but it was getting there. And one of the things that they produced um, were a series of die cast metal trains that were uh, both to be played with, but also highly collectible. Now, uh, if, I'm sure if you go onto eBay, you're going to be able to find them for egregiously expensive things because they were very well produced, solid metal, everything but the wheels. Like, they were really, really nice. Um, and uh, I, I would, as a kid, I'd play with them. It was one of the things that uh, my, maybe this is a little too personal. I'm sorry, everybody. But uh, it was one of the things that my grandmother and my mother used to help potty train me was nice. you know I'd earn, earn little stickers in my book and after so many we would go to our local hobby store which if there's ever a thing that has influenced me into my, my weird career it was definitely the hobby stop store that was down in Orem across from University Mall uh, they since moved from that location and are still operating uh, up on uh, 800 North in Orem around about there but, uh, but that was my thing is we would go and we would pick them out. And my grandmother picked up some of the VHS tapes so that I could watch it at home. And, uh, and that was my thing. And I, and I'd sit on the floor and I'd tell stories to myself. Um, and it just, uh, that those elements of, of, of imagination and of building with what I have, but also that feeling of something like real and solid that wasn't just like cheap and gimmicky and throw apart, you know, fall apart. Um, I, I can absolutely say not only have I successfully gone without an accident for many years, <laughs> but, uh, beyond that, I, I think that it definitely helped shape who I became because I would consume the stories that were presented and then I would go and make my own. And, 
and be able to, to be exposed to that world of both collectible and having something nice that was worth taking care of, um, but also something that, that could be meaningful and played with. Nice. Yeah. I know that got a little like sentimental for a second there. It's a weird thing I haven't thought about in a while, but uh, uh, what about for you, Dan? Anything that uh, comes to mind from your childhood that just stands out as one of those formative memories? Oh man, I have, I have way too many. Um, I mean, the biggest one, obviously for me, Transformers. Mm-hmm. Uh, right there, there uh, it is. I love Transformers. Uh, it was my Rubik's Cube. I mean, really, I, could, I couldn't solve a Rubik's Cube to, to save my life. I have a son that can do it in under three seconds behind his back. But for me, I, I give me a transformer. I don't need to see it. After I've done it once, man, I could, I could do it by memory, eyes closed, anything like that. There was nothing more amazing than rolling out that red semi. Oh my gosh. And then making that sound as you're transforming your, your, your transformer to, you know, have Optimus Prime fight Megatron or Starscream or anything like that. Uh, and even though the toys did not look identical to the cartoon, I mean, like the toys now, they've designed them so well. They look like the cartoon. They look like the movies. Um, you know, the Transformers I had, they weren't that. You know, it was the Diaclone stuff that they shipped over to Japan and made it yep. look as close as they can. Like, seriously, the toy Megatron does not look like Megatron in the cartoon at all. Now, yes, I have a Megatron that looks that way, but it was still so fun to have those toys and recreate those adventures and, and transform them into a car and anything like that. I just, I loved it. And the Transformers um, of that time, like like the first gen Transformers, the, the early gen Transformers, yeah. um, it, it's apparent that their design went into the realism of the non-robot form. They went for a very realistic semi, a very realistic Ruger, a very yeah. realistic microscope. Uh, it actually worked. It was a working microscope. Yeah. And then, and then the robotic form was second to the natural form, if you will. Well, I mean, to be fair, uh, you know, these toys were originally designed for other other toy lines over in Japan. Yeah. And then we repurposed them. Um, and nowadays, you know, toy companies are like, okay, we're going to make it look like that character. I mean, let's, let's face it, you know, the the toys they had for Ratchet and Ironhide had no heads. You know, you Yeah, they were just faces them. behind a windshield. Well, it was a sticker that you would yeah. put in the seat. Yep. Uh, and the windshield that of course didn't even look like their head it looked like something from a video game that they just kind of put in there <laughs> now you can get a ratchet or an iron hide that actually has a head that looks like the cartoon so um but still it was still so amazing i loved it um in fact i loved it so much that i still have many of those toys um i don't have all of them but i still have some of them uh I still love Optimus Prime, one of my favorite characters in that toy line. And, you know, I, I, I'm sad that their first movie presentation, live action movie presentation, mm-hmm. was fairly horrible um, and not what I would have expected. But, uh, you know, I still am in love with this fr- that, that toy line. It's still, I'm with this, you. you know, if I get the chance to meet uh, Frank Welker and Peter Cullen, I'm doing it. I'm doing it and I may be doing it since September. So just saying, I'm doing it. Absolutely. For me, um, I, I want to avoid repeats, but my first choice was also Transformers. And we can, we can deep dive on that at another time. But uh, a toy line that was formative for me in my youth, and again, low-hanging fruit here, G.I. Joe. Um, I, the the original, well, Original is a little strong, but the 80s version. Because remember that G.I. Joe had been around since, like, what, the 30s, the 40s? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And well, they're, yeah, yeah, they're 12 inch dolls. Yeah. The 12 inch, the 12 inch action figures, yeah. you know. Um, but uh, I'm, spe- I'm speaking specifically about the enormous in breadth 80s line that they just produced new things for like a decade. Um, it was, it was phenomenal. I had, uh, I, I didn't have as many as my older brother. Cause I was so little, I was so young, but my older brother had a bunch, including like the sky striker with the expanding wings and the dragonfly with the thumb activated propellers. 
And in, for those who don't know, in the 80s, the 80s was still prior to laws that went into effect to make toy guns look like toy guns, you know, with like orange blazes or wild colors and things of that nature. That wouldn't happen until the end of the 80s, the start of the 90s. And so the vast majority of the 80s, you had all these toys that were as realistic as they could make them in terms of detail. And the the vehicles, the play sets, the action figures, and the accessories that they came out with for G.I. Joe were amazing. The very first gen of G.I. Joe, all the accessories were extremely tiny, but extremely detailed. There was even one character who was like in a wetsuit. He was like a he was like a, an underwater demolitions expert, but he had like a, a full set of scuba that you had to put on the character. It was very delicate, very small. He had a harpoon gun and he had like his um, demolition disposal briefcase that you could open up and, and it was hard molded. It was molded like tooling and stuff, but they had the different tools inside the case. It was extremely detailed and extremely delicate. Storm Shadow and Snake Eyes at the time were extremely they they were they were simpler figures than we saw later on, but their their weapons were extremely detailed. And then with every generation, it got like more and more extreme, more and more caricaturized, more and more cartoonish, um, even a bit sci-fi. Uh, but GI Joe had a phenomenal line of toys. I remember Zartan, who you could put out in the sun. That was my first sun like solar reactive toy, where you'd put him out in the sun and his skin tone would change from like peachy flesh color to this like blue green teal tone yep. uh, because he had, he had uh, an allergy to the sun as a character, right? Like he had like a reaction to the sun. Um, it was, it was so much fun to find stupid reasons to put him in the sunlight just so he'd change color. It was great stuff. So yeah, uh, GI Joe was one of like the most phenomenal and imaginative toy lines that came out in my youth. I will add one more thing. When I was in middle school, I had this project in English class. And of course, I was in middle school. I totally put off my work to the last minute. Who does that? But anyway, I, I had to write like X number of poems for my English class and then come up with like a diorama or some way of physically representing. And I waited till the night before. And uh, I, I didn't know what to write. But then I started getting like into I, I it was. It was the early 90s. It was post Persian Gulf War, you know, stuff like that. And I just got to this totally like weird mind, like, like this war mindset. And I started writing all these poems about how I felt about war and the things that I thought. And then for each of those poems, I would grab some of my G.I. Joe figures and using paper clips and rubber bands, I would put them in frozen stages of combat, including like like someone being body flipped or, you know, they're like in the air because they've been shot or kicked or whatever. So I used all these GI Joes that I had to make a three-dimensional bullet time before there was bullet time type diorama. Nice. Very cool. So I've got a, I've got a, a, a question or a theme for a second toy here. Sure. And mm -hmm. this may throw a wrench into what you guys may already be thinking about, but I bet that there's at least one on your list that matches this criteria. The show is not rehearsed and the script doesn't matter. Completely true. <laughs> we have a script? Wait a minute. Have you been sharing something with me? I just said it doesn't matter. So that brings me to, you know, um, a, a potential criteria for a second toy, and it may throw something in the wrench for you guys, but... Uh, but let's try it anyway, right? Okay. Is there a toy from your childhood that is specifically not associated with an intellectual property story, media, mm. something like that, um, that, that impacted you in a, in a similar way, or even that just stands out as a bright jewel of yesteryear? Oh, that's, man. That's really hard because a lot of toy lines have now become an intellectual property. Like my first guess was like, oh yeah, I love Legos. It wasn't a show. Well, now it is. Like, At the time it wasn't though. And so I would accept that. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, Lego is a good choice and it had it definitely is. crossed my mind. It is. But I, I want to dig deep on this one though. Sure. Do you mind if I go while you're thinking about no, it? I go while I'm thinking about it. When I was a kid, uh, Costco was invented. 
And the advent of Costco in our area was a big deal. No pun. Right. And I hear they sold color to the world. I right, right. In bulk. Um, they had this one Christmas, my cousin and I, we live next door to each other. So we often got very similar toys. And this one year out of nowhere, we both got this enormous box, one box each. And it was huge. It was like toy chest size. It was big. We unwrapped it and it was something called Omegle. Now, now, um, or, or Omegle. I, I'm not still not sure what, how to pronounce it. Now, I don't want this to be confused with the social roulette type stuff that you see on the internet now. Uh, Omegles were this, um, it was like Lego, but life size. You would have um, these pipes, these tubes, very much, it was, it was like PVC for kids. You had these plastic tubes that would go into joints, T-joints, elbow, jo- elbow joints, couplers, four ways, that sort of things. And, and you would have these cotter type pins that would clip around the joint and it would have a tongue that would insert into a, a hole that would go through the joiner and through the pipe to hold it all together securely. It was sturdy enough that a child between 60 and 100 pounds could uh, build a full-size car, a, a, a coasting car, not a pedal car or an electric car, just a coasting. But you could build like a cart and sit in it and steer it around. You could use it to build a lemonade stand. You could use it to build a playhouse. It was, it was huge. And of course, what's the number one thing we built? We built guns and swords every time. But... Um, but it was life-size Lego, and you could use it to build whatever you wanted. I didn't realize it when I was a kid, but that fueled a portion of my imagination and creativity and my engineering side. I didn't know that I wanted to be an engineer uh, until much later in life. And I think that the experience I had just making stuff up with effectively kid-friendly PVC pipes and, and uh, joints was the way to go. It was, it, it taught me a lot about engineering and physics and structure and integrity and things like that. So uh, yeah, Omegles were pretty awesome. And I think a rare find today. It's actually kind of funny that you should mention that um, because that was kind of the thing that got that, that got my brain spinning as well was that idea of, of, of building things and doing things, right? And for me, um, one of the toys at my grandmother's house was uh, uh, marble runs. Oh, marble um, runs are so big, great. colorful plastic, slot them into themselves. And they're all kind of standardized widths and lengths and heights so that you can build and build out into these huge things, right? Have branching paths and randomizers and all kinds of things. And, and it's just it's just noise and color and movement and-, and Oh, but they're so much fun. They're so much fun though. I, and- I have an old Rubbermaid tote filled with, that my kids use and um my friend's son got a set for christmas and i was at their house and I'm like and it they just looked at me like i was crazy because i built <laughs> elaborate stuff and like oh yeah i would not have even thought of doing that i'm like how do you not with this yeah i i, I straight up i might get some for myself at some point heck yes dude don't even be ashamed i'm I'm, I'm starting to get this craving for just like having an afternoon where i'm not connected to anything and i just kind of sit down and just let the noise happen for a little bit Mm -hmm. uh, i could totally see you getting multiple sets and setting it up so as soon as you walk through the house you drop the marbles and then it goes all the way down the stairs oh yeah into the big room downstairs oh yeah I'd, I'd 100% do that. That would be and, amazing. And that was the big thing as a, as a kid for me, um, right? It was being in my grandmother's living room and building these things and knowing that I didn't have enough to like go as high as I needed to. So I'd start to build onto the coffee table and build onto the couch. And then, and it was a little bit wonky and fall, you know, but I'd do the best that I could and, and, you know, but, but, the, the funny thing is that this was another hugely formative toy for me because it kind of mapped to the way that my brain works mm-hmm. of like wanting to take concepts and ideas and starting to put them together so that they always reach an outcome. It's been really, really cool as I've started to, to, to program recently. Um, 
those types of things come very naturally to me because one of the things that my grandmother and I would do is say, okay, well, how do you get from here to there? Right. Or like, if we set it up, which one is it going to come out of? Right. And being able to figure that out and then run the marble through and, and watch it happen. Right. Um, and that, that's just kind of a cool, cool feeling to me. Um, and, and so it's, you know, it was funny that you mentioned the Omegles, Omegles, cause I, you know, I did a quick Google search and for anybody who wants to look it up, it's O-M-A-G-L-E-S. Yes. Um, and the site you found is, I mean, those pictures that are posted look like they're straight out of the instruction book from 1989. Nice. Oh, yeah. But, but, uh, but, you know, big bright colors and tubes and get uh-huh. you where you need to go. Doesn't, doesn't have to be insane to be, to be cool. Yeah. Uh, Dan, what about for you? So, uh, as I've been sitting here thinking, you know, when it originally, the next item I'm going to say, when it originally came out, it wasn't tied to anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but I spent countless hours playing with the Nintendo Entertainment System. The original <laughs> NES, when that sucker came out, you had Mario and Duck Hunt. It's all I had. And I, man, I spent countless hours on that many nights overnights during the summer um you know i still remember the contra code even these yes um i don't know anyone that has ever pat survived gone from beginning to end in that game with three lives everyone has to put that code in there i don't know anyone that if someone is uh, you're awesome um but it was amazing getting that because prior to that, the only way to play video games was to either have an Atari, which the games were not the greatest, <laughs> a Commodore 64, or go to the arcade. I mean, that was the only place to play the really cool games. Was to go That's to true. Arcade. And you uh, had to have a fistful of quarters, baby. I have a lot of quarters. Um, and, I, and yes, it's, it's great that we have video games uh, in our homes, but I also think we lose a component. Uh, we, we lost a social nature, uh, you know, playing video games used to be a social, but even, even back in the day when we had, when I had my Nintendo, you know, we would hang out and we'd play together. And yeah. And nowadays, if you want to play with someone, they have to be at their home. You can't play a split screen. You can't play multiple screen. Uh, you can with some of the Nintendo stuff still, but the majority of the game systems like Xbox and PlayStation and that have moved away from that model. Like if you want to, you, you know, I, I think there was a game that even Krebs and his wife wanted to play and to do that. They're going to have to have a separate system. Um, if, if I wasn't mistaken. Yeah, and, you're right. You're right. And it's really sad that we've gone to that model. Um, and I, I remember back in the day playing land games, we'd all huddle in a room and have all of our machines up and we'd be playing and we'd be, back talking to each other and coming up with quips and everything but we we're laughing and having fun that seems to be gone now um but i oh the annoyance of trying to get that cartridge to work <laughs> and then when it finally works and they start playing that game it was so much fun but well, i wasted so much of my life too uh go ahead yeah well the other thing that i'm glad you brought up the nes i didn't even think to include that because i I wasn't considering it a toy line, but you're right. I think it actually fits really well. Uh, one of the things that I think the original NES and the original Sega Genesis and Sega Master Systems taught us was perseverance. I've noticed something in current, you know, like, like old school gamers, which we are now, versus yeah. current gamers, right? Current gamers want, uh, and this is speaking in sweeping generalities, so take this with a grain of salt. But they want a swift, fast twitch, disposable experience. When you talk about single player narratives, there is an, an ever increasing uh, sort of not despisement, but like um, re- re- there's a little bit of repugnance there because it's going to take some time and they're going to have to listen to a story. And, you know, uh, there are a lot of gamers who like that, but like what's the most popular genre right now? What is exploding right now? It's a bunch of PVP arena style, Fortnite, you know, apex legend, even, even Ubisoft, Ubisoft just announced uh, X defiant, which is set in their Tom Clancy universe, but it is a PVP arena, you know, competitive style. But what you were saying was very cool because 
the other aspect besides having couch co-op or even couch competition, uh, yeah. the other thing that NES brought to the table was with very rare exception, there were no save files. If you wanted to play oh, a yeah. game, you had to play it from start to finish with the limited number of continues and a limited number of lives in order to beat the game. And if you didn't, if you ran out of lives and continues, you started over again. And I think, you know, as I think about um, old school gamers, it's not uncommon to have an old school gamer in the mindset uh, when they're playing a game now that's difficult or challenging, like say a Souls game, or, or maybe it's just a boss fight in a game that they like, but they can't quite get overcome. They'll sit there for two hours, three hours, trying to beat that thing because they won't give up. They were trained at an early age. You have to sit still and do this. Meanwhile, you have modern gamers who see you know, jump cut YouTube videos of people having extreme reactions to video games, or they rely on the fact that there is a save file and 30 minutes into an attempt, if they get frustrated, they do a healthy, you know, when they get to a certain emotional point, they do a healthy thing and they walk away. But the point is they walk away at least for a little while because they haven't had to do the thing where they sit still and do it, or they don't get to. Right. So I, that's an interesting side effect that I hadn't really considered until just this moment. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, Link to the Past. Very mm -hmm. first, or not Link to the Past. Legend of Zelda, excuse me. It was, well, yeah. Link to the Past was the first time you got to say it, but Legend of Zelda, man, that game frustrated me. Oh my so gosh, that game. Because you're like, oh yeah, doing well. I'm finally getting past where I got, I, I got further than I did last time, and here it is, and then I die again. And I'm like, crap, I have to start all over from that very first frame you know, or there'd be times where it's like, you need to go do the dishes, but I'm playing. No, you need to do the dishes. I'm trying to and save the galaxy, all mom. You was pause. Separate the you, recycling. You have to pause the game and hope and hope and pray that no one sees why oh is this gosh. game on and hit the power button. Oh my gosh. Yes. I, I shed tears as a child over those incidents. Yeah. You know, uh, Super Mario Brothers, you know, you get all the way to the eighth world you're down there one more board and it's you get to go to the castle and fight bowser and save the princess and the power glitches oh that's oh. and you just sit there and stare at the screen like the fates are against me and you just i i, I this happened to me i just got up and i walked away yeah i didn't play for two weeks because it's like what do you what else do you do because there was no save but at the same time i came back and i went and did it again um so there is i mean yeah i mean some of these these kids that talk about these games and oh and i'm just like man you just don't know yeah no right it's like you know you don't know what it's like to be a paper boy on a bicycle having <laughs> random <laughs> attack you and cars trying to hit you and everything in the world seems to get to you. And all you need to do is get that paper on there. And yet you can't save. I mean, yeah. Or even being Little Mac going against Mike Tyson. Dude, that's what stands never, out of my mind. I have never, I, I've gone through that. I've played that game so many times and I have never beat Mike Tyson ever. That man is horrible in that game. But I've been Hippo a number of times. Well, allow me, you know, we're, we're eating up the show here and that's great. So I'm having like a nostalgia flashback, like none other. And it's great. Allow me to change the prompt just a little bit. Yes. So now, so now we are all of us aged men, some of us less so than others, Alton. And uh, one question comes to mind. Are there any toys from original toys from your childhood that you owned, not replacements, not remakes that you still have to this day? Yes. What are some I, of the, what are some of the, like the the crown jewels? I still have my original Millennium Falcon. Oh, that's hot. That's mm. hot. Holy crap. It's Comes out swinging. I mean, yes, uh I don't have my original Optimus Prime, but uh my dad did track down an original uh 84 Optimus Prime still in its box and gave it to me, uh which I have left it in there. Um, but out of all my toys from my childhood, the only thing that I still have, um, would be that Falcon. That's something I've carried over and over. I still, the only thing I'm missing is one, one of the side beams for the, uh, the ramp for the ramp. Yeah. 
Otherwise, no, I know what you're talking about. I still have all the landing gear. I still have the flat the top. Oh, and excuse me, I am missing the uh, the flooring that goes over the 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 smudge. That was an easy piece to lose. Do you have the training remote, the one that's on the swinging arm? Yep. That's that's actually the number one most sought after replacement piece for the Millennium Falcon is the is the training um, remote. And, and for um, those of you I... who, for those of you who are saying, "Hey, I thought you guys said you couldn't do Star Wars," well, that's true of like our original picks for the toys that formed us. But now we're talking about a different subject, which is what toys do we still have to this day? And I think that that is a valid choice. I'm, I'm glad that you said something because I was worried that you two had forgotten in your old age, and I was going to have to call it out. You know, hey, respect your elder son. I am the <laughs> oldest on the show, so uh, I can forget things. Entirely that is true. Fair. You know, mine mine is also a Star Wars thing, so I'm kind of glad that uh, that restriction was lifted. Tell us about oh, it. Tell us. I just remember something else. I still have my original job of the hut. Yep, yep, yep. That's a good I don't know one. Why I kept him? I don't have my original Luke or my Vader or anything like that, but my original job of the hut I still have. Well, he ate them. Yeah. Uh, all right, That's Elton. Cool. Elton, tell us yours. What's one of your childhood toys that you still have to this day? Yeah. So uh, this was later on in my childhood but it still counts um in uh in I, I think it had to have been 2005 maybe 2004 um hasbro put out an ultimate build your own lightsaber kit oh yeah um it's hot and uh and i still have it and and the thing was the first time I got it out, like I tried a whole bunch of different combinations and then I had like this cathartic moment where it's like, I know exactly what I want. And I built it. And that was literally 15 years ago and it hasn't changed since. And it Beautiful. still sits in my closet. And, can, you, can you describe the special attributes of your build? Yeah. So the big thing, uh, one of the things that, that, hadn't really been a thing that we'd seen up until this point was that um there was a uh like a like a, a 90 degree piece that would screw on as the pommel so that instead of holding it by the handle in parallel with the blade there was a a little handle that came out at a 90 degree angle from the pommel that you would hold like like a tonfa like, like a nightstick? Oh, yeah. Uh, kind of, yeah. Um, and then there was a little guard that you could attach over the emitter that would shield your elbow from touching. <laughs> right. And so, um, so it, it was just one of those things where I was like, yeah, that's cool. And so I, I always wanted to get a second kit so that I could build my dual wield. Um, and it wouldn't have been, I, I wouldn't have done that form yeah on both hands um but i am sure there's a secret part of me that hopes that this is not true and that i'm seeding something into the internet that nobody will ever be able to find but i'm sure that there is a video that has made it onto some archive on the internet somewhere <laughs> for youtube uh in which you know, we, we saved up our, our money and went down to the hardware store and, and built out our sabers in metal for a short film that we put together. And, uh, and I rebuilt it utilizing pipes um, and <laughs> modeling clay to, to fill in and make it look nice and paint it up. I no one's ever that. done that. But yeah, it's yeah. still Who does literally that? sitting in my office closet and I've pulled it out multiple times, even since moving here to the new house and it's uh, it's a great feeling. That's um, phenomenal. It was you know, one of the things that I just connected with. I would have to say, if we're going back to your prompt, I would have to say wooden dowels because man, mm -hmm. I use so many different lightsabers or or swords. Um, they they were everything. Yeah, mm. they were my power sword from He Man. They were. Mm -hmm. my my sword because i was pretending to be zorro or i was there were my lightsaber or i mean it, it's amazing as how imaginative i was as a kid and it's something i feel like kids are missing out on a lot because of you know all the screen time and stuff like that man 
I turned cardboard boxes into massive computers um, or these constructs and all these weird things. And it, it just seems sad that a lot of kids kind of miss out on that. So, uh, so a quick side quest to this point before you share your, your last thing, what's everybody's broom count? Uh, how, how many, how many brooms did you destroy? Mm. Uh, I, I'm not even going to say that you had to be caught having been destroyed, but that just <laughs> mysteriously did not come back as brooms. I can say zero. I was not allowed to play with the broom. Same. I, I, I would have. Uh, let's see if I can do this proper justice. <clears throat> I would have received a whooping if I had done that. Right. So. So. But. However. Go ahead. However, I know I destroyed a lot of tree branches because <laughs> mm-hmm. we had an apricot tree. We had, you know, several trees uh, in the yard I grew up in, and we used all of those. Um, there was nearby. There was a cornfield, so after all the kind of corn was harvested, you know, there's the corn stalks. We'd end mm-hmm. up taking those and using those. Uh, yeah. I broke a lot of those type of things. For me, it was, I I went into this uh, cycle of losing, finding, and losing again the handles of our fireplace poker set. Because, like, I would take (laughs) the handles off and that would become my lightsaber hilt. And I go play with those all over the place. But as a kid, you're really bad at putting things away. And so, and so I would, yeah. I got in trouble for that a couple of times. We would, we would find them again eventually, but that was, that was my lightsaber. Most of the time was just the hilt. And then I'd fill the blade in with my imagination. Yeah. So gentlemen, uh, that, that, uh, that myth, that legend about your parents whooping you, if you uh, broke their <laughs> broom, I can, uh, I can verify that's true. <laughs> yes, it I is. I can also verify that uh, if you are determined enough, that won't stop you at least the yep. first two times. That that's that is true. One of the only reasons that my parents allowed me to go take a little bit of pocket money down to the hardware store with the neighbor kids is in the hopes that <laughs> they could keep a room together for a little while longer. No, no, to add to that, uh, I'm sure I, I, I know I broke several flashlights. Oh, um, yep. Flashlights mm. were another substitute for a uh, lightsaber, especially Always. when you get mm. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Absolutely, every time. Many times I would I would lose those um, uh, paper towel rolls or uh, toilet paper rolls, taping them together. That's another lightsaber thing. Uh, or or uh, wrapping, even, yeah, wrapping paper. That's what it was. Or wrapping I even used that with uh, uh, cereal boxes and, and made a uh, uh, you know the the a proton pack. Oh <gasps> heck yes! Yeah. Um, again didn't have a lot had to be creative mm-hmm. um as, as kids so so then we got to bring it back to you dan for your final toy that you oh wait no no no. you said uh job of the hut yeah Did everybody go it was I, the uh, last I don't one? i don't think i i don't think i've gone okay that's who was missing i'm like wait 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 someone's missing here okay yeah, mine, is, mine, mine is the falcon yep yeah the falcon yep. and then you also followed up with job of the hut okay so krebs yeah. What I've, toy do you still have? Um, I've been wrestling with the answer for this one because there are a few that come to mind, of course, and we, and we want to keep it a, kind of brief. But um, I know I said in a previous episode that I still have my original Fortress Maximus from Transformers, and I do. I actually keep it in its box behind me while I zoom into work every single day as a grown man. It's behind me in its box, and I like that. But one that I want to call out specifically, especially because it's kind of had a resurgence in my life lately. Back in the 80s, laser tag became a big deal. And there were certain home sets. There was one home set actually called laser tag. And I got to be honest with you, especially at that time, it had the coolest aesthetic. It was the it was the super duper coolest toy to have. But it also meant it was extremely hard to get. And uh we weren't able to get the laser tag set when I was a kid. Instead, we got sort of the secondary rendition. Uh, and to be honest with you, it was very popular in Canada as well. But, um, but this one was called Photon. And it was the competitor to laser tag. 
I still have my original photon set with the helmet, the chest readout, and the phasers, uh, two-person kit. I still have that, and it still works. Nice. Hot. Thank you, gentlemen, for taking some time this evening. This has been a lot of fun. I'm feeling kind of weird and emotional in a funky way, but it's a good feeling. It's a good thing to go back to some of those times. I know you're young, but this is called nostalgia. You should what? get used to it. Yeah. Oh, man. See, I'm used I mean, to only it's... feeling sadness and the uh, gripping despair of not owning a home. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Whoa, that was... Uh, that wow, that got nowhere. super oh, heavy. Do you want us to help it. you with that? Yeah. <laughs> like lift you hey. up? If you if you want to buy me a house, I'll let you buy me a That's house. That's not the help I was suggesting, but you know. <laughs> hey, I don't have one either right now, so. That's yeah. fair. That's fair. Um, sorry, you know, sorry to any crawlers out there who may have felt that last that was a little too strongly. That, that had some pokes in it. Yeah, yeah that's true. No, I mean this is kind of the great thing. Um, I, I know a lot of people are the like, you know, uh, the hate toys. Toys are just a waste of money and, and stuff like that. But honestly, toys were a gateway for me. Uh, they allowed me to tell stories. They allowed me to create a universe. Um, you know, and originally, we as humans were storytellers. That's how we handed down our history. That's how we tried to figure out the world. That's why we have myths and legends, you know, Greek mythology, Norse mythology, because they're trying to figure out the universe around them. We're natural born storytellers. I mean, you just sit down and watch a kid play. And they come up with these elaborate stories. And yet that is not fueled by us in any way, shape, or form. And I, I just remember as a kid coming up with these elaborate stories and doing all these things and listening to my own kids do it. It's just fantastic. I, I enjoy it. But if it weren't for those toys, I wouldn't be the person I, I am today. Um, you know, yes, I have all these fandoms and stuff like that I enjoy. And it's because of those things. But I wouldn't be the writer that I am. I wouldn't be the storyteller that I am had I not had that experience. Um, and it w added a level of cre creativity. I'm sure that even flows into your, you know you guys programming code. Um, and so you've been able to think outside the box out of the norm by playing with these toys and having these moments of, of awesomeness. Um, you know, just side notes. I know He-Man was another one of my favorites. Thundercats. Yep. Uh, I did have Silverhawk toys. Uh, I mean, I know we've mentioned other toys in the past. Uh, I even had GoBots. You know. Yes. The the the, the horrible redheaded stepchild of transforming toys. Uh, and yes, I can say that because I am a redheaded stepchild. That's uh, right. Ditto. <laughs> but you know, even simple toys like McDonald's Happy Meal toys brought me joy as a kid there are moments when you can even put play with those and have fun and um it's amazing you know even now yes i'm collecting toys i, I have them on a shelf stuff like that and it's because it's connecting to a younger part of me um it's amazing how much power these things have and it's not a bad thing some people see it that way i but to me, it's like, wow, that's a moment of my childhood that was amazing, and I enjoy it. And it's something I want to share with other people, uh, my kids, friends, and so on and so forth. So um, this was great. I, I enjoyed it. It was wonderful. I'm sure many of our listeners have those toys that were just like, oh, man, I loved – I spent hours attacking Castle Grayskull. Um, yes. I, I spent hours – uh you know flying x-wings and snow speeders through the, the the my room pretending it was outer space uh, attacking tie fighters and so on and so forth and i had many amazing journeys through a galaxy far far away uh, i have even gone into the sewers of new york yeah. city <laughs> uh with ninja turtles against foot soldiers uh there's just so many great different toys out there and it's it's just stunning and amazing that these companies have taken an idea, a cartoon, a movie or whatever, and created toys out of those that we have been able to enjoy. And some of these fandoms have lasted far beyond uh, what anyone probably would have expected. Um, you know, 
it's 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 fantastic and not only that now those toys have turned into collectibles uh, or statues and things like that uh, i mean i didn't even haven't even mentioned like x-men or superman or any of those toys the, the comic toys that were out um you know if scott was on he'd be talking about ghostbusters i'm sure that was <laughs> um and, and i'm kind of i'm kind of digging it where some of these stores are coming back with like retro versions of those toys that were out so long ago in the 80s uh we've started we've seen a little resurgence of some of those older transformers of he-man uh, even the real ghostbusters you can find on the shelves um it's kind of cool to see those old toys come back uh so i don't know how to close this out other than it's just this is it's been fun to reminisce to go back to nostalgia but i also find a piece of my childhood that was important to me and has created kind of where i'm at these days and and if i can say something if if you listener are someone who helped to contribute to these memories, to this industry, whether it's from our childhoods or from childhoods that are being experienced now. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for taking the time. And, 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 you know, there are obviously all kinds of cheap <laughs> toys and, and things like that out there, but there are also many things that have, that are designed with real thought and intent. And uh, it's one of the things that we try to consider on the show as we think about topics and, and, and what we say and who we approach and, and, uh, and, and so thank you for having that good intent in, in your lives as well and, and sharing it with the world. Yeah. Well, I mean, even some of the, the, these other toys, you know, like you said, GoBots, man, they weren't the greatest, <laughs> toys, but they were still fun. McDonald toys, they're, ch- they're cheap. They're not super expensive, but they definitely, definitely, um, they brought hours of enjoyment. So mm-hmm. yes, we got to wrap up. We got to go. Um, so if you have the opportunity to create a toy that brings joy to a child's life, do it. That's all I can say about that. There, you never know what that will that will bring about. So, with that said, we're out of here. Crawlers, tell your story, whatever may come. And whether your toys are as fresh as Gen One Transformers or as silly as McDonald's GoBots, because yes, McDonald's also sold GoBots there for a while. Always remember to be epic and don't suck. Remember, the force will be with you, always.